Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Scott Schaefer in for Mina Kim. If you're like most people, you check out the expiration dates on food you buy at the grocery store or find hidden in the back of your refrigerator. But what do those labels mean? Are they about food safety, taste, and food quality? Well, in fact, expiration dates on food are meaningless. But they lead to millions of pounds of perfectly good food being tossed in the garbage even as people go hungry. This hour, we'll explore the history of food labels and how to reduce the amount of food waste filling landfills across the country. That's next, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer, in for Mina Kim. Well, the holidays are here, and that means celebrating around food with friends and family, whether it's home-cooked meals or potluck dinners. And if you're like me, when you go to the grocery store shopping, what do you do? You check out dates on packaged food, like milk, eggs, fresh pasta, before putting it in your cart. But our guest this hour, the Atlantic's Yasmin Tayag, says those expiration dates are pretty much useless and are partly to blame for millions of pounds of perfectly good food getting tossed into the garbage. Yasmin Tayag, welcome to Forum. Thanks so much for having me. And also joining us, Dana Gunders. She's executive director of ReFed, a national nonprofit that works to reduce food waste. Dana Gunders, welcome to you as well. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Well, let me begin with you, Yasmin. What got you interested in writing this article? Well, as a person who loves to eat, but also hates wasting money on food, I was naturally interested in it. And uh, I wrote this around Thanksgiving. And I was already thinking about all the leftovers that would be in my fridge and how long I would be able to eat them. And it, it just became natural to think about how many, how much of that food across the country would eventually be thrown out, probably needlessly. Yeah, and you mentioned leftovers, um, but talk about expiration dates uh, because that's where it all begins, right? When you uh, look for things on the shelves, and you know, I check the I check the expiration dates, and I kind of know they're meaningless. But who, you know, wouldn't you rather buy one that says, you know, that that is has a useful date that's further in the future? Yeah, and I think we've been, you know, conditioned as Americans to look at that because that is the only information available to us. Um, about the freshness of our products. But as I spoke to um, a, a handful of researchers, 
they told me that those expiration dates are, are pretty arbitrary. Well, um, and who sets them? I mean, why are they there uh, in the first place? It's interesting. They, they've been around since about the 70s, and that was when people stopped buying food from, directly from their farmers and really were buying the bulk of their food from grocery stores. And so they demanded some sort of information and that the onus fell on the manufacturers to provide it. And so over the years, what has happened is that individual manufacturers largely set their own expiration dates and critically the meanings of those expiration dates, which can vary pretty widely from product to product. What do you mean? Like give an example. Uh, For example, you know, milk is a commonly, uh, is is one that's commonly referred to. in different states, the expiration date on milk can refer to different things. So, you know, in one state, it might, you might not be allowed to, a grocery store might not be allowed to sell milk past 12 days. Whereas in a different state, they, a grocery store could keep the milk on the shelf for 23 days. And and, it, and one is not more safe than the other. It's just kind of arbitrary. No, not really. You know, there is a, of course, a certain point quite far into the future where that milk becomes a little sketchy. But between the 12 and the 23 day, days, um, there doesn't seem to be much of a difference. Hmm. And not all states uh, are requ- require food manufacturers to have these dates at all, right? No, there are some that don't have requirements and some that have very strict ones. It really differs from state to state. And there's no real rhyme or reason. I mean, I always thought honestly that to, that there's some sort of a conspiracy from the food and from big food, you know, to get you to buy more food. Like, oh, you're, you know, you're going to toss this out even though it's good. And so you'll buy some more. Yeah, you would think so. It seems, it seems uh, intuitive. But the researchers I spoke to said that that's not really the case. And, um, it is just rather unfortunate that from state to state, the rules differ, and all of our attempts at creating federal laws to streamline all of them have sort of petered off. Yeah. And Dana Gunders from Refed, um, just how how is food wasted? I mean, is it just, I mean, mo- a lot of it, I imagine, is just like at home, you, you toss it away before it really needs to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, food goes to waste all along the supply chain, of course. But in fact, um, households, like all 330 million of us in our homes, actually make up the largest source of food going to waste. Um, It is these date labels. It's, you know, not managing our food very well, buying too much when we're at the grocery store, not following through with what we thought we were going to do with that food, you know, going out to dinner last minute and then having stuff left over. not eating leftovers. Some people don't like them. Uh, so it's kind of a combination of of the way we manage our food yeah. at home. And then it's not just home, of course. There are restaurants and grocery stores that also contribute to it, right? Absolutely. Sure. Um, certainly uh, some, goes, some food goes to waste at grocery stores. It's actually quite a lot less than restaurants. Um, We see a lot more waste happening in restaurants and, you know, larger cafeteria food, food institutions, like at a hospital or um, kind of larger food service places. Um, And interestingly, 
our estimate is that about 70% of the food that goes to waste in restaurants is happening on people's plates after they've been served the food. Uh, meaning that what they send it back or like, no, it's like, you know, the fries, you don't finish the quarter of the hamburger that gets left on the plate. You, you know, next time you walk into a restaurant, you look around, people are done eating, but there's still a lot of food on plates and yeah. of course that goes straight to the garbage. Yeah. And, and what, what about the difference between like, uh, how much of the food waste is these, you know, expired I don't want to say processed food because it could be, I guess, food uh, like milk, eggs, you know, versus, you know, just leftovers in the fridge or a loaf of bread or something like that. Yeah. Uh, well, we estimate that about seven to eight percent of the waste in homes is from people not understanding the date labels on food. So, you know, maybe somewhere around 10 percent is that. But it, it gets a little bit confusing because. You know, it's hard to measure these things and quite a bit more is considered spoiled, which some people think that when it's past its date, it is spoiled, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think some of it is just interpretation as well. Yeah. And Yasmin, uh, there are different labels on different kinds of foods and probably it varies from state to state. There are expiration dates. There's sell-by dates, there's best if used by dates. Are those, I mean, they're all arbitrary, it sounds like, but are, but do they, are they, do they signify different things? Uh, you're absolutely right in that they're quite arbitrary based on the manufacturer. They do, and, you know, Dana, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they, they do signify different things, um, very similar things. Uh, and usually it is what is indicated by the phrasing, for example, best if used by versus sell by. Mm. Often the the recipient of the message is different. It might be the yeah. consumer or it might be the grocery store owner. Yeah. And and Dana, uh, you know, best if used by, I mean, does that mean it, uh, it what? That it, that it, is there some change in the flavor, for example, or the texture uh, after a certain date, even if it still might not make you sick? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So essentially there are right these days, um, there are really two types of dates. One are meant for consumers and the other type is meant for the grocery store. Uh, to, and so that this, the grocery store is the sell by date, right? That's telling the grocery store, hey, sell this product by this date and your consumer will take it home and still have a good amount of time to use it before it is not at its top quality. Um, so that's usually an earlier date than something like a best if used by date, which is more meant for consumers to see. And that is telling you, hey, I'm at, you know, this product is at its best quality. And we, you know, brand X kind of stand by the quality of this product until this date. So how they get to them really varies by, um, by company. Um, sometimes there are very scientific tests that happen. Sometimes they are made up. Oftentimes, it's something like a consumer focus group, and they will give consumers, you know, let's say 10 people yogurt that is one day, five days, eight days, 10 days old. And for each time, they'll have them rate it on a scale of one to 10. And when that number, the average in the room drops below a seven, well, that's the time frame that they land on. Yeah. You're listening to Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer here this hour for Mina Kim. We're talking about expiration dates on food and how they contribute to food waste. Talking with Yasmin Tayag, staff writer with The Atlantic. She's author of Expiration Dates Are Meaningless. That sort of summarizes it. 
Dana Gunders also is executive director of ReFed. Um, what what kinds of uh, health issues or concerns might there be? Uh, either one of you, but I'll, I'll start with you, Dana. In terms of like, let's say, just take yogurt. You know, you you uh, you know, say it's a week, two weeks, a month, sometimes longer past that expiration date or the best if used by date. What do you do? You open it up and look at it. You smell it. You taste it. I mean, what? Yeah. Well, I think it's important to understand why we get sick from food. So oftentimes when you hear about foodborne illness, you will hear about something like E. coli or salmonella or listeria. Those are pathogens that somehow have gotten on the food. Um, Regardless of the food's age, they will get you sick. Um, That's why we, you know, wash our food and things like that. They are different from the bacteria and enzymes that work to decay your food. And so when your milk goes sour, that is not a pathogen that's making it sour. It's kind of just an enzymatic process. Um, So if our bodies are very well equipped to recognize signs of decay. And so it's not that you should drink really sour milk that might, you know, it is repulsive to you for a reason. And that means that if we, if food looks fine, smells fine, tastes fine, it usually is fine to eat. Um, the, the one kind of rule of thumb I like to give people is that there are a few foods to be careful with. And those are the, the, the shorthand are those that they tell pregnant women to avoid. Um, things like raw like eggs, raw eggs, deli, um, deli meat, ready to eat sandwiches, actually. Um, and shellfish, things like that. Yeah. All right. We're going to leave it there. We're going to take a short break. Yasmin Tayeg, uh, thanks for joining us. I'm going to keep Dana Gunders around. Uh, Dana's uh, the executive director of ReFed. And we want to hear from you. Do you pay attention to the expiration dates on food? What do you do with food that's past its best buy date? Any questions you have about food safety, email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED or call us. It's 866-733-6786. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Everybody stop. Put down your gooseberry and cinnamon yogurts. What is it, Mummy? This yogurt pot is dated the 9th of May. But today's the 10th. That can only mean... These gooseberry and cinnamon yogurts have been out of date for 24 hours. 
Oh, no. That is British comedian Catherine Tate with her gooseberry and cinnamon yogurt skit, kind of making fun of these expiration dates. And that's our topic this hour. We're talking uh, in this segment with Dana Gunders. She's executive director of ReFed. And we want to hear from you. Do you pay attention to these expiration dates on foods? What questions do you have about expiration dates and food safety, the best buy dates, and so on? Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED, or call us right now at 866-733-6786. We've got a comment here uh, that uh, from one listener who says, can't we smell when milk has gone bad? Is sour milk unhealthy? Uh, Dana, we touched on that a few minutes ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it's basically, basically just it, it, we don't like it, right? We're not. It's just a flavor that kind of repels us. Exactly. And interestingly, milk is one of the safest products because it is pasteurized, right? And, and it actually goes through this step to make it quite safe. Um, so sour milk, one of my favorite things to do with it is to bake with it. It can be a substitute for buttermilk in pretty much any recipe that is baking. And it actually adds to the fluffiness and the sourness goes right away. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, interesting. Another comment from a listener. If one slice of bread is moldy, does that mean you have to throw the whole loaf out? And then you could sort of say the same thing about, say, you know, strawberries. Yeah, no, you don't. Just, you know, take away the moldy piece, maybe the one right next to it, and the rest should be fine. And, and if you just ate it, you know, you didn't notice it and you ate it. Would it make you sick anyway? You know, it could make you like throw up right away, right? I mean, I don't I don't recommend eating anything with mold, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but except it, blue cheese. It, except blue cheese. That's right. Special kinds of mold. But um, it will, you know, I mean, if you eat something like that, it can give you a bellyache. And mold in particular, it, you know, it, it's not, it, it, has, it can have toxins in it, right? So don't eat mold, but you know that. Yeah. But and is it okay? Let's say you, you know, you've got some leftovers or yogurt, uh, you open it up and just like you see a mold in the corner of the, you know, the container, just like scoop it out <laughs> and what? Pop yeah, it in, pop it like in the that. oven or the microwave? <laughs> well, so yeah, for something like a yogurt or cottage cheese, you know, it has a little bit of mold around the corner, but the, if you kind of scoop out the top half inch or so, oftentimes the rest tastes fine. If it tastes fine, it is fine. Um, and then, uh, sorry, what was the other product you mentioned? <laughs> uh, just a yogurt, for example, or just, you know, food that's in a container in the fridge, leftovers. Yeah, I mean, leftovers tend to be good for about four to seven days. Um, again, just trust your trust your senses and you yeah. should be fine. If you have a question about it, cook it well, heat it well. Yeah. You know, um, heating things, you know, kills most things on it. So yeah. if it's like, if you're just not sure then then cook it up. And I suggest that with deli meat too. Then if it's kind of if deli meat is past the date, you can just kind of fry it up like have it on a breakfast sandwich. Yeah. All right. We got some callers and some comments. I'm going to go to the phones again. The number is 866-733-6786. And we're going to begin in San Francisco with Rob. Welcome. Thank you. Um yeah this this topic is near and dear to my heart because I'm obsessed with not throwing food out. And my wife is the opposite. She wants to throw anything out that's been in the fridge for more than a week. And I have to fight her on a lot of different things, especially spaghetti sauce. I just say, you know, if there's no mold growing on it, it's fine. And I, I do use my nose. I have thrown out a few things that are obviously bad. But I just it really irks me how much food is thrown out, you know, the subject of this topic. We try to donate a bunch of canned goods uh, that were like maybe uh, six months or a year past date. 
um, like soup and different things to the Boy Scouts who are collecting, you know, food for a food drive. And they say, we will not take expired food, which mm. just seems so sad that so much that is still so good because this public perception that if it's past the best buy date or best of consume date, uh, then that means it's going to make you sick. And I mean, I've had food in the freezer, uh, meat and so forth. It's been in there for a couple of years and I've thought it out and eaten it and it's fine. It's I just wish things were a little bit easier to to get across to the public that uh, just because it's expired doesn't mean it's going to make you sick. Yeah. And Dana, his point about giving canned soup away and then the Boy Scouts rejecting it, is is there like a liability issue in some places? I mean, certainly in the United States, you can, you know, you can file a lawsuit over anything. Uh, so is, is that is that a concern that maybe nonprofits have or food banks or soup kitchens that if or, or are they exempt in some way? There's actually a national law that provides liability protection for anyone donating food that is, you know, sort of with good intent and in decent conditions. And and so something like a canned good that is a year past its date is fully within that protection bubble. Um, and canned goods can be good for, you know, many years after after those dates. I will say that, you know, right now, the, the real challenge is that there are no legal definitions to these dates. So in most states, for most products, any, any company can put any words and any date on the product. And, um, you know, there have been three bills introduced to Congress to standardize the way that dates are done so that there's a date that is about quality and there's a particular phrase best if used by for that and a date that would indicate an increased risk that would be used by. Now, if we could go to that date, then a part of that law actually does not allow anyone to restrict sale or donation of products that would meet that quality date. Mm. Um, so it really would open up a lot of things. The problem is we can't do that today because you just don't know when they put the words on what they're trying to yeah. tell you. And is this new legislation or is it something that's been tried for years and years and just never gets out of committee or the floor <laughs> for a vote? Yeah, it's been introduced three times between 2016 and now. Um, so, you know, it didn't get anywhere this year and who knows what's who oppose, happening Who in the opposes it? Who opposes it? Food industry? Ag? Um, you know, some of the food industry is actually on board. Unilever, for instance, has been a leader in supporting this. Um, but there are other some some folks in the meat industry, for instance, who are are opposed to any kind of regulation around yeah. the date. Yeah. All right. Rob, thanks very much for the call. And I'll give out the number again before we go to the next caller, 866-733-6786. And we go to Los Altos next. And Celine, welcome. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Actually, my comment is very close to what Ron just said, uh, that I'm very well known around my friends and family, uh, that I eat uh, anything that uh, past the expired date. Just be, I just use my nose um, as a, my determinator as to whether it's edible or not. Even, even bread sometimes has mold. I'll just cut up the piece. Uh, it, as long as, you know, the mold has not grown in another part of the piece of bread, it's, uh, it's fine. I mean, I don't understand why people uh, throw out so much food. Oh, and also fruits and vegetables, uh, same thing. I mean, if it has, 
you know, so that apple or whatever, a peach has a, a, a corner that's a little bruised and uh, I see people throwing the entire thing mm. away. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah. And Dana, you mentioned uh, earlier about uh, fresh produce, and I think you mentioned listeria, which is a pathogen. And I remember a few years ago, I believe it was listeria, was in like maybe spinach or lettuce down in the Salinas Valley uh, and got some people sick, may have even killed some people. Um, but that's different from what we're talking about. That was that was contamination in the field of fresh produce, right? Well, listeria actually is a little bit different than most other pathogens like E. coli and salmonella because listeria can uh, reproduce under refrigeration. And so that's kind of why it's become a little bit more of an issue that you hear about. And and the, the real threat of listeria is for pregnant women um, because it can actually have a bad effect on the, the fetus. So um, that is why the, the sort of shorthand rule to not be too bold with foods that they tell pregnant women to avoid works. Um, now, uh, with spinach and lettuce in particular, um, there have been a few cases of listeria that have happened, especially with the bagged, you know, the kinds in bags. Um, so that is another product to maybe um, kind of listen to you know, be a little bit careful with the date. But the thing to remember is once you open your bag um, or open a product at all, those dates go out the window. So then it's really about using your senses again. And I think with spinach um, or actually any mixed greens, I, if they're getting to sort of that end of, end of usability stage, I saute them with garlic and mm. they saute up just like any other greens, even yeah. lettuce. Oh, interesting. Um, Celine, thanks so much for the call. Um, you know, Dana, just because I was preparing for the show yesterday, so I had all this in mind, and I was I was actually making dinner, and I had a carton, I guess you'd call it a carton, of uh, chicken stock that I was going to use, but it was opened, and it was in the fridge, and uh, I had written, actually, which I don't usually do, but I'd written that I opened it in April. That's a long time ago. Um, I mean, you're not going to taste, you know, chicken broth to see if it's any good. I mean, at that point, you just would you say toss it? Yeah. I think that's what you I did. <laughs> that's what I did. It's like, okay, that's that's a bridge too far. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's some other listener comments. Um, how long can you keep leftover restaurant food? I eat food the next day, but no later because I think there are too many variables out of my control to trust leftovers more than one day. Uh, Dana, that kind of makes sense, right? Because you don't know how it was handled before it got to your plate, I guess. I mean, people who cook in restaurants have to pass food safety courses that we never take. So I would venture to say that restaurant food is actually more safe than our the food we prepare at home. Um, and leftovers, again, tend to be good from four to seven days. If you're worried, my recommendation is to pop it in the freezer um, just for a few days, you know, like, mm. hey, you eat it the next day, put, you know, you don't want it day two. So just freeze it and take it out a week or two later and you will be thrilled to have, um, you know, a meal. Yeah. OK. Freeze it. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Howard in Castro Valley, you are next. Welcome to Forum. Hi, thanks. Good morning. And thanks for uh, letting me join the conversation. I, I noticed at the top of the story the word meaningless related to the dates. And I kind of took offense. I'm an engineer, and it's not meaningless. Let's say they're confusing, and, and that's my comment on that. All right. Just, just, just to defend bring... myself, I said pretty much meaningless. <laughs> okay. Okay. I qualified okay, so You've got an out. Yep, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so what I wanted to point out, I spent over 20 years in the restaurant and hospitality business, 
And something that is blatantly missing from this conversation, in my opinion, and why I called, is the aspects of food handling and sanitation that are probably more important than any date on any product. Because if you think about our history, when we were closer to the farm and we knew the source, we knew it was just pulled out of the ground or the pig was just slaughtered or what have you, or the eggs just came from this morning, then you had an innate sense of how long it would be good for because you really knew it was fresh. You didn't need a date. You knew Tom's eggs lasted, whatever. But you also knew how to store your food and handle it. So, for example, um, when to wash produce? Do you wash it when you first get it and then put it away? Hmm. Or do you wait because you don't want to ruin it, you know, get it soggy or something? Hmm. And so there's a lot of technique. And, and this is well thought of over hundreds of years. So there's lots of solutions, but it is a little confusing. Yeah, and the absolutely. average consumer who goes shopping today wants the instant answer, right? Just like all the rest of society, just they want to swipe left and know it's good bacon <laughs> or something. Yeah. And I think what, what really we should focus on is, did you wash your hands before you started cooking? <laughs> you know, are you using a sterile cutting board and a sterile knife? Is your counter clean? Um, you know, is your refrigerator running at the right temperature? You know, are the vents blocked and it warms up? So there, there's so many aspects, but if you want to simplify it, keep it as cold as you can, frozen if possible, if that makes sense for the food. And, and if you're not going to freeze it, make sure your fridge is at a cold temperature. And also with leftovers and reusing ingredients from a package, my recommendation is anything that's been cooked in a crock or a dish or a pan, don't refrigerate it in that pan. There's a lot of obvious reasons to scientists, but not the yeah. average consumer. Because they're so Transfer warm when you put it stuff. in the fridge? They're, they're warm. They're also, the edge is already more advanced in kind of baking bacteria. You know, the food danger zone is between 40 degrees Fahrenheit and 140 degrees. So anything that's in that 80, 90, 100 degree zone for a long time is really incubating at a much higher pace. Hmm than the really hot spot in the center or the cold spot. Yeah. Are you so a food you scientist, do, Howard? You, you have a lot of information. Uh, well, my friends call me a mad food scientist, but I, I did spend 20 years. I had restaurants on the East Coast, and uh, I, I've been really hardcore about this stuff. And Like in my kitchen today, right now in Castro Valley, I have a spray bottle that dates back 40 years that says Sani Spray. It's a little cap full of bleach in a full bottle of water. I shake it up. It costs pennies. And I spray it on my cutting boards and my surfaces and my knives after I wash everything. Yeah. I know there's no bacteria just festering away. Yeah. yeah so great. I think, you know, I don't want to use up your whole show, but I'd like to kind of <laughs> don't spring worry. the conversation towards how, how could you, you know, do a better job in eating fresher, healthier food and not get too hung up on the dates, per se, yeah. uh, because your mileage obviously is going to vary. If, if you cut, for example, a head of lettuce with a sterile knife on a sterile cutting board, and you wrap it in a piece of paper towel, then wrap it in plastic or a bag, it'll stay fresh three times longer <laughs> than if you just put it back in the bag yeah. and bought it in. Interesting. You know, and your knife was dirty. All right, Howard. Well, thanks for all your tips. Those are those are some good things. Appreciate it. And uh, I'm, it seems like it's pretty safe to eat at your house because uh, you're taking a lot of precautions <laughs> there. No cross-contamination well, on the cutting board, nothing. 
I've raised two teenagers, and my wife's a doctor, and we're all still standing. So, <laughs> okay, good. Um, I would like to give a shout-out to Michael Krasny, uh, whose name came up in my speed dial when I called in today. So, oh, okay. Well, um, I will, just, well, I'll say hi to Michael next time I talk to him. Thanks very much for, 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 uh, for giving him a shout-out. Dana Gunners, lots of stuff there from Howard. Um, anything jump out at you? I mean, 100% agree with everything he said. I think keeping a clean kitchen, knowing how to keep food safe is way more important to eating safely than sort of throwing food out after the expiration date. And certainly um, learning those tips to store food longer can can give you uh, more time to use it, right? Um, there's a great website called savethefood.com that has a lot of those tips on it. You can, it has a directory, you can look up you know, 85 different products and and learn some of those things. So that would be one place to start. And then the last thing that really caught me that he said is about your refrigerator temperature. Um, keeping your refrigerator below 40, at 40 degrees or below is really, really critical. A lot of people don't know because our fridges, you know, you, and you can't really tell um, but that's an important point for the food safety reasons that he mentioned. And so you can buy at the hardware store a $5 fridge thermometer and just keep it in your fridge. And um, that will help you mm. make sure that your fridge is cold enough. Yeah, good deal. Uh, another comment from a listener. Recently, I've started eating food from grocery stores past the due date, mostly dairy and energy bars. No adverse effects. What about nutritional value? Dana? You know, that really depends on the product. Um, oftentimes when it's kind of a sealed product, the nutrition is sealed along with it, if you will, you know, canned food or something like that. Um, certainly for fresh products, the nutrition does decline over time. Yeah. And, uh, and the taste may go downhill with it, I suppose, depending on what it is. <laughs> Right. And interestingly, frozen products, so frozen vegetables, you know, you buy like frozen broccoli or something like that, um, can have more nutrients than that product fresh because mm. those products are frozen kind of right after harvest yeah. as opposed to, you know, your, the fresh broccoli you're getting could be seven days old. Yeah. Frozen vegetables get a bad rap. They're actually quite good, especially in the winter when you can't find fresh ones. All right. We're going to take a break. Dana's going to stick around and we're going to be joined by another guest as well. And we do want to hear from you. So give us a call. 866-733-6786. Or you can email us. It's forum at KQED. Or if you prefer, find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
And welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here this hour for Mina Kim. We're talking about food safety, expiration dates, and the like. Joining us uh, for the conversation, Diana Lara. She's executive director of Food Finders. That's a California nonprofit that works to reduce food waste and hunger in California. Diana, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And also with us, uh, as I said, Dana Gunders, executive director of ReFed. And we'd like to hear from you. You can email us if you like. It's forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Or give us a call right now at 866-733-6786. Diana, tell us a little bit about Food Finders and, and how you go about your work and what you do. So Food Finders is a food rescue organization. And what we do is we take surplus food and we provide that to our nonprofit partners. Currently working with almost 500 uh, nonprofit agencies throughout LA County, Orange County, Riverside and San Bernardino counties. Serving over a a little more than 31,000 meals per day with our food uh, rescued food and recovering over 1.1 million pounds a month. And tell us about what, like when you say rescued food, like how, how does that work from start to finish? So just as an example, I have a truck who's at the produce mart every single day. And what he's doing is he's picking up that food that isn't selling that day. Many times the food is what we call quality number one, which is what you would find in a store. Some days it could be what we call a number two, you know, just a, a gently bruised. Um, but there's nothing wrong with the product. And we'll go, we'll recover that, and then we'll take that to our nonprofit partners for distribution same day. Um, We're also picking that from manufacturers and distributors and grocery stores. And items could be things that just aren't moving. Um, Like, for example, after the holidays, we will have more cookies and candy than you can imagine. Hmm. Um, But it's also, you know, some of the grocery stores have particular looks, and if the, the bananas start to get a little spotty, they'll pull them off the shelf. Well, the bananas are at their prime. You could eat them or bake with them. Yeah. So we'll pick those up, and those will get distributed same day in a pantry. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of callers that want to join us, so let's uh, go back to the phones. And Tom in San Francisco, you are next. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Um I'm a little embarrassed. Um, in my refrigerator, I have two bags, uh, sealed plastic bags from the grocery. That one's a year old, and the other one's at least two years old of corned beef. <laughs> okay. And I know that corned beef is uh, um, stored with a uh, sealed or shipped with a lot of salt in it. And I'm wondering. I was always thinking of probably opening one and cooking it just to experiment with it. All right. Well, any suggestions? Uh, Dana Gunders or or Diana, but let's start with you, Dana. <laughs> um That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's a long fridge. time. I mean, if it if it was frozen, I'd say fine. If it was vacuum packed, it will last a lot longer, and if you cook it all the better. But a year is a long time, so I'm not sure what to say about that one. Yeah. Well, maybe our previous caller, Howard, can uh, email us and tell us what he would do. He seemed to have an answer for everything. Uh, Diana, anything? Would you, Would you? well, I, I'm sure obviously you wouldn't accept food like that, but uh, do, any advice for Tom? You know, I, I would say the same as Dana. If you had frozen it, it's probably nothing wrong with it. It's just sitting in your refrigerator. 
I probably wouldn't eat it, but it might be worth just opening it and smelling it. Yeah, kind of a science experiment. All right, Tom, good luck with, I guess you, I, you could, I, I get, what if you froze it and then thawed it out and threw it in the oven or something? Would that, would that help, Dana? If it were frozen and then thawed, I think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> or you could go to the store and get some fresh corned beef, Tom. <laughs> that was... Yeah, I mean, here's a long time. And then, of course, deli meat is, is a more sensitive product than others. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, good luck, Tom. Thanks for uh, sharing that personal story. Uh, let's go to uh, Matt now. Matt in San Francisco. Welcome. Hi there. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, to say that, I, you know, a lot of this really resonates, you know, like growing up as a kid, we weren't allowed to leave the dinner table without finishing everything else on our plate. And I mean, I'm 37 years old now, and I still maintain um, that thought process every day. It irks me when people don't finish their food. So just want to reinforce, you know, like it's a right to, to be able to eat. We've got starving people on the street. We've got millions of people traveling around the world. So people really need to take that into account. Um, and then the other piece, I just wanted to put a plug in. Um, about a year and a half ago, I started maintaining a plant-based diet. And there's something that's kind of nice about not having to worry about, you know, meat going bad or dairy products going bad. Um, you know, naturally, there's still the occasional concern, of course, um, especially with, with produce and vegetables. But, you know, just wanted to throw that in there as well, too. It's, uh, it's a little less uh, less stressful with, with having to, you know, worry about those things. Yeah. So when you say you don't have to worry about it, I mean, uh, w- is it because why? That I mean, because produce can go bad, too, right? Yeah, I think more so, like, I think just, you know, when you hear about sort of, you know, like, you know, serious food poisoning when it comes to, like, you know, really sort of, like, soiled meat or something to that degree with, like, you know, really sort of affecting your stomach or your gut um, and, and truly just feeling sick, I think there's probably less of a worry with, you know, like, canned kidney beans or, um, like, a lot of my, a lot of my, the food that I eat, I, I do obviously, like, you know, frozen store-bought protein and it's plant-based protein. Um, and so, you know, because that's generally frozen and then I cook it right away, um, I don't have to worry as much about that. So, um, you know, I, I just find it's a little bit less of a worry than, um, than you know, like true animal protein or true, you know, you know, cow's milk, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right, Matt. Thanks very much for the call. You know, we haven't talked, uh, Diana Lara, about the uh, environmental impacts of all this. But um, I read, I think it might have been in, actually in Yasmin's story, that uh, a, there is a huge amount of methane gas, which contributes to climate change. Uh, that is that comes from food that is rotting. Uh, can you say anything about that and how just, you know, another reason to avoid wasting food? Diana? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, 25% of the fresh of, of food waste will end up in a landfill. And that's a significant amount of food. Um, that it hasn't even gotten to our plates yet. Um, so, you know, the other thing that people need to consider too is that the, the tremendous amount of revenue that goes into producing it, the, the water use that goes into producing it, um, the land, the time, all of those things when you throw that, what you think might be expired product away, you, know, you don't think about the process that goes into creating that. And it, that goes for, for everything, whether it's a head of lettuce, strawberry, or, you know, the eggs that you may think are expired. Yeah. Uh, Dana, anything to add about climate change and messing yeah. with Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> interestingly, uh, some like Project Drawdown, an organization that's evaluated 93 solutions to food, to climate change, rank food waste as the number one solution to climate 
uh, solution to climate change. And sorry, that's not wasting it. That's not wasting it, right? <laughs> um, and, and the reason for that is one methane the, that you're mentioning. So food is actually the number one product entering our landfills today. And it is the, um, it is a, if not the key driver of methane coming from landfills is food in those landfills. Yeah. Um, but also there is everything it takes to grow, cool, store, cook, transport food and get it to our tables. And that's actually an even bigger climate footprint than, um, than the methane that is coming out of landfills. So you put it all together and it's, it's actually quite significant. In fact, food waste has a larger footprint than the entire aviation industry. Wow. That is amazing. Well, we have a caller, Mary in Oakland, who uh, has a, you know, kind of a, a, a question and a comment relevant to that. Mary, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, I, I, I remember you mentioned that food waste, a majority comes from households. Um, with respect to helping lessen the problem um, and in relation to what you just spoke about, um, the food composting um, as well as um, it just occurred to me while you were talking, uh, you know, buying from local uh, farmers markets, um, would that be helpful? Thanks. Sure. Uh, farmers markets. Uh, Dana? Yeah. Um, so I do, there's not been a lot of like studies with numbers, but um, local food systems tend to have fresher food, right? And that gives you a longer amount of time to use it. So I think that um, in itself can help reduce waste, especially in your home. Hmm. Um, and if you add on to that, that sometimes they're able to sell products that wouldn't meet like grocery store specifications, but are still, you know, able to sell in the market, then um, they help in that way as well. She also asked about composting. Yeah. Um, you know, in the Bay Area, we're very lucky to have municipal collection of food scraps. And, and that is a fantastic thing to do with food that you couldn't otherwise do something with, right? Um, it is not, though, necessarily something to alleviate you of all guilt from throwing <laughs> out food. Because if you think about it, it's really not the best use of, you know, again, everything it takes to kind of grow that food and get it to your table. Does it at least solve that methane problem? It does solve the methane problem. And beyond that, it, of course, recycles nutrients back into the ground. And that can help with um, building our soils and helping our soils to actually absorb carbon. Yeah. Uh, Diana Lara, before I let you go, uh, Food Finders is your organization. Uh, if people want to work with you, can make, uh, you know, contribute food, donate food, uh, or get involved as a nonprofit, uh, what should they do? I definitely follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter. Um, go to our website, foodfinders.org. We have a lot of information on food waste as well as you know what we do and how to support you know, the what we're currently doing. Yeah. All right. Diana Lara, thank you so much for joining us. Thank She's you. the executive director of Food Finders. And um, Dana Gunders, here's a comment which I think we kind of addressed. Jenny writes, can you address the climate implications of tossing it out versus composting it, which is less unfriendly, and I guess composting is less unfriendly, to use a double negative. Um, so, uh, but as you said, it, it, do, you know, there's, it doesn't address the food waste issue, but it does address climate change related issues. That's right. It, it addresses the methane. I think it addresses, you know, some of the closed loop nature that food has the potential to provide, but can't provide if it's in the landfill. Um, 
and, you know, again, has a host of soil benefits as well. So yeah. uh, composting is a great thing to do, again, with food that you couldn't do something else with. <laughs> yeah. So there's methane emanating from all these landfills. Yeah. And the difference is um, that landfills are anaerobic, right? When they compact all that stuff down, the oxygen can't get in. And so when it decays, it decays in an anaerobic way and that produces methane. Whereas composting, um, you know, there's sort of this active process to turn it and get oxygen yeah. into there. And so it's not that same anaerobic condition. You're listening to Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer in for Mina Kim. And we continue our conversation about uh, expiration dates, food waste, and the like. And let's go back to the phones now. And uh, Lucinda in Sausalito, welcome. Hey, good morning. I have spices that I, I don't use that often. And I, uh, when I do use them, I turn the bottle around and I see it's, been, um, it's past the expiration date. So I just wanted to find out um, uh, about that. Yeah. Dana? Sorry, was that sauces? Uh, well, I think she's talking about dried herbs and spices. And, oh, spices. Okay, yeah. I apologize. Um, yeah, no, spices are fine. Yeah, anything, you know, anything that is fully dried like that um, has very low chance of being a safety issue because pathogens need uh, water. And if so, if it's fully dried, the pathogens can't really... Uh, survive. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much for that, Lucinda. And let's go to, let's see, let's go up to Sonoma County in Monte Rio. And Chris, welcome. Hi. Um, so I have uh, three different suggestions. One is stuff that gets ripe and it's like ripe all at once, like persimmons, for instance. If you have a recipe like I do, it requires three cups of persimmons. I just throw those things in the blender, measure them out in three cups, throw them in the freezer. So when I can want to want to make that recipe, I don't have to wait for persimmon re season. Same thing with bananas. Um, it, the bananas will look, a, look like an odd color, but it doesn't matter in a recipe. Yeah. And, like if you're baking um, bread or something, banana bread, muffins. Yeah. And I, I always microwave anything that's questionable, you know, that I'm like thinking, eh, I don't know. It doesn't smell bad, but it's been in there a bit. I'll throw it in the microwave just to sort of cover me. And that's a question. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but I've never gotten sick doing that. But the most important thing is I took microbiology years ago, and I was really interested when they were talking about low-acid foods and how dangerous they were and that they really, really hate oxygen. So I have saved myself, God, billions, I mean, I don't know, billions, but tons and tons of recipes of lentil soup and bean soup of all kinds, which is a low acid food by not covering it in the fridge. Instead of it lasting maybe two days with a tight lid, without a lid, it could go on for a week hmm. and not have any problems. Yeah, that's kind but of counterintuitive a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's it's weird, but, but um, a food that is deadly my, um, with botulism, which is what low acid foods can become. If you give that food a lot of oxygen, it can't grow botulism. It might get mold on it, but you know I can toss it out if I see that. But I'm not going to worry about botulism because the botulism can't grow where there's a lot of oxygen. Yeah. All right, Chris. Thanks very much, Dana. Any uh, response to what Chris is saying? Uh, that's that is a new tip. For me, actually, <laughs> leaving something open like that, um, 
you know, I think botulism, my understanding of it, which is admittedly limited, is that it tends to happen with canned products, um, either home canned or uh, professionally canned, but um, it's kind of why you should not eat dented cans or certainly not a can that mm. is, um, if a can looks like it's like bulging or anything like that, that is absolutely a sign of not to eat it. Yeah, exactly. All right, Chris, thanks so much for the tip and for the call. Uh, let's see if I can get a couple more comments in. Michael tweets, pantry items migrate to the back of the cupboard and I lose track of them. I found an app that lets me scan the barcodes, but it recognizes only a few of the items. Access to the barcode database would let me know what I have because I would scan them again when I use them. Uh, another listener writes, my husband will toss an item of food 24 hours after it says it's expired. It's like that skit that we heard earlier in the hour. In contrast, my Turkish sister-in-law will eat yogurt that's two weeks old. She thinks expiration dates are guidelines, not laws. I go by my nose. It's far gone, if it's far gone, by smell, into the compost. Haven't gotten botulism yet. Uh, and Dana, botulism is not really a concern with yogurt anyway, is it? No, no, it's not. And I would just like to to point out that I have, I, I would, I'm just going to claim that I've saved a lot of marriages <laughs> by getting information out about expiration dates, because it's interesting how many couples actually have different approaches to it. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, the caller earlier said that, well, I think it was Rob, we had all the advice, is always arguing with his wife about whether or not to throw something out. Um, let's see. Here's another one uh, from Catherine uh, getting to the end of the hour here. But she says, I'm so anti-waste and I work with local charities that distribute food to families in need of this resource. Our group regularly examines cans and other shelf items for their so-called expiration dates. And our policy is to discard foods sold by date. I think that's very wasteful. I'd love to be able to override this policy. Any advice, Dana, for her? Quickly, because yeah. we are at the end. Yeah, actually, I mean, there are some guidelines for food rescue and food recovery organizations that um, Feeding yeah. America has that actually uh, a lot of groups use to um, use a lot of the food that's passed its life. All right. Its Great. Thank you so much, uh, Dana Gunders, Executive Director of ReFed. She's also author of Waste Free Kitchen Handbook. Thanks for joining us. And thanks earlier in the hour to Yasmin Tayeg from Atlantic Magazine and Diana Lara, Executive Director of Food Finders. Thanks to them and to you, our listeners, and to Jennifer Ng, who produced today's segment. For Mina Kim and all of us here at KQED, I'm Scott Schaefer. Thanks for listening. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.